So we are podcasting with Alex and I'm sure Danielle explained that to you. So this is this is new for us. All right, and with that, let's start this week's episode of Point of View Weekly. Live from the Potterfic Weekly Studios, which may or may not look anything like Fargo, North Dakota. It's the morning show that really isn't Point of View Weekly. Stress that it took us 22 minutes to get to the intro. Where's no. Bob? Bob! If you call me Bogo, I swear. Sue is incredibly loud. I'm sorry. I will try to be quiet. She sounds like a phone She's going like, to have to whisper. She does. She's like a 900 number. Thank you, Ryan. I smell real nice, actually, right now. How is it possible you married me and not Bob? He loves scripts. Well, I'm sorry, but I think Bob has some good ideas for keeping us on track. <sighs> Wake up and smell the freshly brewed coffee. Oh, my gosh. Now I'm stressed out. <laughs> Listen to the sound of Ryan screaming like a little girl. This is Point of View Weekly. When I came home and I had to get our lunches ready for tomorrow and our breakfast. We've got dead air. Oh, my way, I can't cook. I, I was not. I was looking at cutting the cord and burning right, dinner. What? No. You burnt dinner? I did. Wake up and smell the donuts, everybody. Welcome to Potter View. See, I did it again, even though I wrote it down. I wrote it down. Why were you doing Bob? I'm there? so sorry, Be your own woman. Wake up and smell the... <laughs> <laughs> hey everyone, and wait, that's the old introduction. Let's try that again. I'm sorry, that was season 2A, Bob. Oatmeal was my favorite breakfast treat, but I couldn't say oatmeal, so I called it Oatmo. Wake up and smell the Oatmo. Oh, smell the Oatmo. Wake up and smell the bacon, everybody. Wake up and smell the bacon and eggs, Boobwainian. You are just a constant presence, dear. Aw, not in the poltergeist kind of way. No, not in the poltergeist kind of way. Five, we all watched Jen finally die. Y'all called me and it was so darn cute, but it was... Jen, what are you doing? I had a splinter in my fist and I was looking for my tweezers. <laughs> Dumping everything she owns on the floor. Wait, are we, oh wait, you guys actually got quiet. I wasn't expecting you to actually get quiet. <laughs> Bob, we're on a time limit. Bob's getting very grumpy. Don't be grumpy. I, I'm not grumpy at all. I am drinking. Oh, I wish that I was. Ooh, this would be a fun party. You want to get vanilla ice cream? I do. Not I even a topping? God, this explains so much. Well, I got two points. How much did everyone else get? I got three. I got one. I got a rock. How do you confuse necrophilia and narcolepsy? They start with N? Big good letter thoughts, guys. Here it goes. Is an article of clothing something that you can wear on your body? Yes. Then I say condom. I say if Bob can say right here emphatically he's worn one outside the house just as he goes about his business. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> Ray just says, nope, sorry, Bob. Yeah, Ray, thought you'd have my back. Doesn't have the front. <laughs> it's fracking cold here. I feel as though maybe you should be writing down the setup because every week we do this, you're like, now how do I do this again? Rachel can hear. April cannot. April's always been a little picky, has she not? Oh, Bob's oh, no. slowing down! Oh, He's slowing oh, down! No. We have everyone watching at the exact same time. It's a ginormous file! This is awesome. It's like Blu-ray quality! It's like one-tenth speed bothering his buns. This is exceptional. You know, I'm turning 30 this year, and I'm not getting any older. People had no interest in being my friend. Really? I didn't you can see person. out of his one good eye, he might make it. Are you confusing the owl with the prickly Wizard? Oh, I thought you were talking about the mechorgasm thing that Bobby <laughs> one time. The mechorgasm? That's 
That's hilarious. It's harder to say than mayoral. That's wicked funny. It's <laughs> the only thing I haven't been able to figure out. Oh, we'll get work on that right after the McGangbang. C-O-M-E, Jack. Bob is a poop, man. Oh, I gave the episode. I want to go last. Wake up and smell the battlefield carnage, Poopwinians. This is Point of View Weekly. The morning show, yet not really morning show, a part of the Potterfic Weekly family of podcasts. I'm your amazing host, Bob, and I am here at the Table of Awesomeness with my closest of friends, starting with my one true Biffle, the only person I can text at 3.30 in the morning and he'll actually text back. Because he's getting ready for work. Hi, Bob. How are you? <laughs> How are you doing? Larry? I am doing very well. Bob and I asked each other the same... No, we didn't ask each other the same question. I answered the question as you were asking it this morning, and there was just a moment of silence, and Bob just wrote to me, all caps, BIFFLE! <laughs> And I also decided that I'm easily amused at 3.30 in the morning because uh, I was going to ask him a question in regards to tonight's episode, and he literally answered it before I asked the question. And so I was like, Biffle Powers Unite. Biffle and Powers Unite. So and I have to say, this is a changing season for Point of View Weekly because tonight was smell the battlefield carnage. Usually it's like, smell buttermilk pancakes. So I feel like... Well, we're, that's because we're going to be fighting to the death over geeky Harry Potter. It's like, this is like Pufwa, the war years, you know what I mean? The war years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, all right. Well, then moving on, we have... Uh, the only woman on the face of the planet that could ever be married to Ryan is Danielle. <laughs> Danielle, how are we doing? I'm doing all right, Bob. The only reason, you know, the only reason that Ryan actually is awake to text you back is because I kick his lazy butt out of bed. Because usually it's like, oh, I'm just five more minutes, five more minutes, all right. five more minutes. And I'm like, dude, get up and go to work. All right. Like, come on. Now, listening to the story, you might think I'm like a hobo or something. What another way of converting that story is Ryan likes to sleep in until 520 in the morning. Um, no, 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 no. What time do I No, go this is what you morning? do. You set your alarm for 5 a.m. Yes. and you snooze it for like 45 minutes. Uh-huh. So <laughs> You're it, supposed to snooze for like maybe 5 or so 10. So I get on, well, for one thing, you cannot snooze And it. your alarm freaks out the baby. She's totally fine. Now, the thing is, is that you're basically saying my, my weakest moment is I like to only get up before 6 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what so you're saying. Ryan, yes. Would it make more sense to set the alarm for like 5:30 and then just yes. once? No, because then I won't get up till after six. Because see, what happens is that extra little. Well, no. it does require discipline. No, no. But no, see, no. what happens is then on the rare mornings if I don't have to work now and I'm like still asleep and the baby's still asleep, it wakes me up. What time does the baby get up? When in the I morning? don't need to be up. What time does the baby get up in the morning? It varies. What's the average time? Somewhere between four and five in the morning. So you're up and already is what you're saying. Hmm. All right. That's all. I think we're done. Next. Well, anyway. I think we need to blame Canada at this point. Speaking of blaming Canada, it's our favorite maple-flavored host here at Point of View Weekly. It's Scott. Scott, how are we doing tonight? Come in Canada. Scott here? Oh, no. We We didn't lose Scott. Scott Scott left because we were... were Oh, my God. Scott actually did leave. I just thought he was playing hard to get that poor man. No, he's gone. We we, we should probably get him back. He's not anywhere. Where is he? Oh, he's back. I'm back. Oh, thank God. Uh, Welcome back. The newer version of Skype has the handy join call button, so I can do that. But it's weird that it happened at all. It hasn't for several years, and now two nights in a row I'm being randomly dropped again. Oh, well. For a second there, I thought you had to have a uh, a random uh, emergency uh, 
getting of poutine or something poutine. Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> no. So did I get dropped in the middle of my introduction? Or is no, that no, it, it was... It was like introduction and silence. And it was seamless. It was absolutely <laughs> seamless. Nice. Last so I heard, it was still Ryan's introduction, but I never know how long those are going to go. Uh-huh. So. Hours. Hours. Safe bet there. Great deal of time. <laughs> well, okay, in that case, we finally have our lovely producer, Sue. Sue, how are you doing this evening? I am doing very well. I have my bottle of mics. I am happy. Oh, that's right. right. I forgot. I had alcohol. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> Um, actually, I'll, I'll, this will be my introduction. I'll, I'll tell my really, my really quick shoot the shit story for this week. Um, so I get home from work the other night and, uh, my brother says, Hey, are you going to be around tonight? And I was like, uh, yeah, I should be. He's like, yeah, we are having a Harry Potter drinking party. Huh. I'm like a Harry Potter drinking party. And he's like, Ooh. yeah. Uh, Lu- uh, our friend Lucas is making jello shots in the house colors, and we're going to play Harry Potter Seen It, and we're making it a drinking game. Oh, boy. And I was like, sweet! And I'm not going to lie, <laughs> uh, we didn't. I, my team didn't win, um, mainly because I think I was the only person who actually played by the rules and t- took a jello shot when we ever got a question wrong, or whenever the other team got a question right. Mm-hmm. So I was, I, was, I was kind of a bit uh, slow on the uptake, if you will. But uh-huh. I, apparently, I'm really fun... Uh, drunk, wearing Hufflepuff rose and the sorting hat. So they're taking photos of me. I, don't I was going to say picture. Yeah, <laughs> picture. Did you say uh, pictures? I don't have. I didn't take any pictures. I think uh, all of my brother's coworkers, who is, mo- is mostly his coworkers from his place of work, uh, who were there, they're partying and taking photos. But I do think a mutual friend that I have with them, I should be able to get some picture of sorts then again i don't know if i really want to share a picture of that so who knows but i've decided that slytherin by far makes the tastiest jello shots hmm. uh, lime they were, they were margarita ah actually oh let's see margaret is slytherin was margarita gryffindor was strawberry daiquiri uh hufflepuff was lemon drop and uh ravenclaw was some weird blue liquor i don't remember i only, only know there's coconut involved i didn't have any ravenclaw sorry ravenclaws <laughs> But I had I had to have one Hufflepuff to represent for Hufflepuff House. Uh, but then I mostly had Slytherin because it was delicious. <laughs> I just remember the early years where Bob, when you joined the Puffle Forum and you were trying to fight for your own house, it was it was bizarre. No, I was well. That's when well I did have that time period. Yes. where J.K. Rowling's website that's now defunct and no longer works told me I was a Gryffindor, and I went with that for a while. But then I was like, you know what? No, Hufflepuffs are my peeps. So. <laughs> Speaking of J.K. Rowling, the I know we're about to introduce Sue, but I'm going to ask her to work into her intro. The Sue, best. Sue, Sue has been introduced. Sue was introduced? Way to listen, dude. You know what I was doing? I was calculating the new car loan. You know, Sorry, Sue. You, love you dearly. You yell at me if I, I multitask, do. and you do it all I the do. time. Well, Sue. It's kind of not fair. Sue, how are you? I'm good, Brian. Now, Sue alerted me. Did you enjoy yes. the tweet I sent you? That was what I want to talk about. Has everyone here heard J.K. Rowling's newest tweet? Is it having to do with Trump in some way? Yes. I didn't actually I see it. I don't think so. All right. No. So, so um, Donald Trump, you know, we're just going to leave. We're not even going to describe Donald Trump. We're just going to say Donald Trump, and everyone should either know what I'm saying or probably isn't listening to us in the first place because we're Harry Potter podcast. So, Donald Trump... His campaign spokeswoman is, uh, I don't even know her name. I don't want to know her name. Um, she, I swear to God, is paid extra 
for being as controversial as she can. Like, she wore a necklace on TV that was, like, all bullets, and she said she was going to wear, like, a fetus necklace next. She tries to be just ridiculous. So she was... Yep. Ryan. Yes. Her name is Katrina Peterson. Okay. Let us never speak that name again. Katrina Peterson puts out a tweet... Which I believe it referred to, I want to say it was um, Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio, maybe? Or, or it was referring to um, U.S. senators whose um, parents were either foreign-born or not in the United States. And now, this, what was the exact... This was done in 2012. Okay. And it, the tweet actually reads, Perfect Obama's dad, born in Africa. Mitt Romney's dad, born in Mexico. Any pure... Breeds left. Pure breeds. Now, was this now was the was the tweet from JKR recent, or was this like a retweet of an no, earlier the, one? This got brought up because somebody had found what she had written and they brought it up. Okay. And then, um, yeah. So Obama, and, yeah, yesterday, Obama and Mitt Romney had parents who were born out of the country, and you know, do we have any pure be- bleeds of pure bleeds pure breeds available? And JKR's response is, Death Eaters Among Us. Death Eaters Among Us. <laughs> I thought that was absolutely fantastic. I love that she's getting involved. And I honestly wonder if she, like, plans every tweet for, like, an hour before she hits sends. Because every tweet she sends is perfect. Well, and she did compare Trump to Voldemort. Yes. Not too long ago. So. Well, no, like, prefer- preferring Voldemort to Trump. Like yeah. I, yeah, like I would think it was you know like let's let's get that. That's real. true. She just said she liked Voldemort better. Yes, and really, well, well, are we talking book Voldemort or movie Voldemort? I mean, mo- movie Voldemort. Well, movie Voldemort was, is very huggable. He was like a sex offender at one point. Remember that? Remember that hug he gave Draco at the that end? That's what I'm huggable. talking about. He's yeah. very huggable. It's very huggable. Is that was. That was just a little weird. It's like, bring it in, Draco, bring it in. Oh, and there's that awful thing on YouTube where they just extend the hug over and I over. know, it's oh, so awkward. It's awkward. It's a little awkward. Mm-hmm. We so know for everyone... sure that Voldemort was not a Hufflepuff. I, d- I don't think not know far how to scarier is a Hufflepuff. Can you imagine? Oh, there's a... That is true. We did read that pic. Uh, we did read that true. I think we read every fic by the end of <laughs> One of every kind. What's new? Um, what's new? We have a kid. We had a kid last time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was say, you had that last time. She's so much quieter gotta, than we give it to my mother. the game somehow. Well, I'm, I'm doing my best. I, I'm, I'm, she, I'm, she giggles now. She, oh, yeah. She giggles. Uh, she she laughs. So cute. That, that's awesome. She um, she met some people tonight on FaceTime, and she was hamming it up for the cameras. Uh, she was babysat for the first time. Mom and dad left her alone for a day and she, well, with my stopped, mother, well, yeah, <laughs> left her with the cats. So we had to run up. Yeah. Um, and we're possibly buying a Subaru. So we're officially those people. And, um, I don't know. That might be, that might be it for our little week here. I'm back at work. You're back at work. Sad. I don't think I was back at work yet the last time. Oh, and the Christmas tree is still up. We haven't had time. Oh, to God, take, we got to take that never, thing down. Well, we're, it's only like 10 months till we have to put it back up. It just right? takes five times as long to do things now. What if we, mm-hmm. Can we move no, it into like a dead corner? Do we have like we a dead corner? wants to know if you're getting a Subaru hatchback. We are not. Um, no, I'm looking at the Impreza, um, the, the four-door Impreza. I have to share this little thing. I have this coworker of mine who he's a single guy. And he obsesses about watches and cars. 
I don't know if I ever talked about him on the podcast before, but he obsesses about watches and cars. And like the, he went through this period a few years ago where he bought like seven cars in two years. And like he would, he would like drive the car off the lot, and then when it lost like a third of its value, you know, driving down the street, he turned around and went back because he couldn't see on the color. And he would lose like four thousand dollars, and he'd have to buy like another car, then he would trade in. He bought a Subaru, and I made the mistake of mentioning that because um, I had just written a paper on it in grad school that Subarus have this connotation as being like a, like a, like a like almost like a lesbian car. I don't know how else to put this, but you know, like it's they, they kind of mark they market themselves as like a very gay friendly car. They had like a series of commercials a few years ago that um, featured you know gay couples in the cars, but they were it was still like the nineties, so they kind of like hit it as like best friends if you want to interpret it that way. But that was the thing; they kind of marketed themselves unofficially towards you know gay Americans. That was their kind of target market. So I made the mistake of mentioning this to my friend, and he who was a you know single guy, and he was afraid people would think he was you know gay because he was trying to date. So he went out and sold the car. So I felt kind of bad about that. So it's the least I can do to now buy a Subaru and, and give them the money back that they lost. So <laughs> yes, so there was that. So that is our. So we're looking at the Impreza. Once you have heated seats, never go back. Yeah. And we're doing that thing. I'd love to tweak, like, the cable company. I'd love to call them and, like, try and cancel my service over, like, a buck and a half. So I'm having a blast doing this. This is this is a lot of fun. So I'm enjoying the whole car salesman thing. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're having a good time, right? We had a moment yesterday where I was driving. I have Danielle's car this week, and um, it started shaking violently on... Well, this um, was last week. Last week. It was before the might have been after yeah, the podcast. It was, it started, it was, the car started shaking violently, so I called her. I'm like, "You need to make an appointment to bring it in for service because you know some, uh, something's wrong with the car." So we bring it in, and they're like, "We think it's the cylinders misfiring." We're like, "All right." And this is the dealership who's just doing some last minute uh, work on the car because the the um, extended warranty and everything is up. Um, do you do you want us to scan the engine? to see what it is. We're like, yeah, sure. Okay, that'll be $120. I'm like, back away from the car. <laughs> so, we bring the car to my mechanic, who, he's like, oh, alright, yeah, alright, well, look at this. So, we leave the car with him. He calls Danielle the next morning, can't open the hood. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? It's like, like it's got the little clasp, and like, you, you just put, did you have a stroke? Like, you just pulled the, can't open the hood, I'll keep trying. Danielle calls him 10 hours later. I can't get this fucking hood open. Look at that. Like, like, is there a trick to this thing? So apparently the hood broke. The hood broke, and then he finally got the hood open, and he fixed the cylinders. So I have the car back. So now I'm driving the car. Danielle still has my car. We're both at work. We're driving home. We just want to see our baby. Her car, which I'm driving, starts shaking again. I'm and like, the engine light came back. I'm like, I gotta bring this back to the deal. I gotta bring the it back to our mechanic. Down, right? Meet me at the mechanic. She's like, you're not gonna believe it. What? Your engine light just went on. I'm like, <laughs> what? The cars are dying. I, so I'm like, because we had been talking, is it time to buy a new car? So I call my mother. I'm like, meet us at the deal at, at the mechanic because we're running out of cars and we're gonna need a ride. So we meet at the mechanic. So we get my the mechanic to come out and just scan my car to see if it's exploding. So he plugs it in. He's like, oh. Oxygen sensor completely gone. I'm like, all right, all set though. What did you do? I turned the sensor off. Have a good day. I'm like, <laughs> did I not need okay. that? <laughs> so I'm like driving with my head out the window because I have no idea what the oxygen. 
<laughs> Apparently, that's not what it does. I had a friend explain it to me this morning. Oh, it has nothing to do with it. It has nothing to do with it. I'm like, I could die. So I'm like venting my head. No, I, I apparently, like, it, there's engine, there's oxygen in the engine. That's, my uh, check engine light in yeah. my truck has been on for the last four years. Oh, <laughs> SU. It doesn't go off. I've taken it to the dealer. They play with something. They push the little button that turns it off. I drive it down the hill. It comes back on. My, mo- my mother has a um, 2004 RAV4. She bought it right around Halloween in 2003. And I went with her to make sure she didn't get taken advantage of. And I bought my car the same day. So I apparently got taken advantage of. So her car, the check engine light has been no, on. No, I'm sorry, no, not the check engine light. light. The tire light has been on since about 12 minutes after she drove out of the dealership back in now, 2004. Now, what is it in her car? Does it mean that just the tire pressure is low? I think it's something to do with the tire pressure, but she has changed, she has replaced the tires. She has replaced everything. I honestly think she has a defective tire light. Okay. But you can't tell her that. No, no, it's the tires. It's the tires. I'm like, all right, it's the tires. But the lights... For someone whose tire light is on continuously, she doesn't know how to change really her tire pressure. learn how to put air in her tire. Do you remember the time she called me to say the dog door was on? Yeah. Like the dog, dog door? Man? Yeah, the picture of the dog on the dashboard. Like the dog? What the hell? You have a picture of a dog? She's like, yes, I do. I'm like, well, then you have the only Toyota RAV4 that has a dog light. So I'm like, describe the light to me. She's like, it's, it's a dog with droopy ears. I'm like, my, your doors are open. Pull over. <laughs> <laughs> on the highway. Dog lights on. Oh, dear. So this, um, this concludes, I think, car talk. Yeah. Actually, uh, if we're talking tires, I'll, I'll briefly mention mine. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. My my uh, front left wheel is literally, like, in the process of falling off. Like, oh, nice. uh, there's some serious ball bearing issues, apparently. Because oh. uh, whenever I turn right, it makes, like, the sound of, like, hell, hell crushing, like, grinding horribleness. Well, it's like people look at me. fixed before it makes worse damage. Your light's been on for four years. Who are you going to tell him to get his car <laughs> No. I yeah. took it in. Well, I was told that I should probably uh, take it in in the next week or so, but I haven't had to. I'm off the next two days, so I'm definitely going to try to do that. We'll see. I said that the last time I had three days off in a row. Oh, well. Anywho. Um, yeah, that's probably in car talk. Is yeah. there any other Hold on, Scott. Do you drive? I feel I like we should include you. Have you ever he driven? a little motor scooter. This is true. Uh, it is currently parked in the backyard covered in snow. Um, <laughs> now, have you ever driven a car with, like, doors? Doors. I had my learner's license in high school, but okay. I never got beyond that. Okay. I, you know, like, would pay the 25 bucks every year to keep it up, but yeah. there was no point because I was going everywhere with mom and dad anyway. Okay. So that has since lapsed, and, um, uh, yeah, I have, I would have to go back and go through all the tests again to actually get a license, but you so far I haven't tried to do that. Here. Mm. You can drive the tractor. Out in the field. <laughs> I was watching yeah. the tractor video the other day when I drove over Julia's headset. <laughs> yes. That's really funny. I would I think. A machete at the end of it. That was, mm-hmm. It was just nice that Sue had a machete available. Yeah. I mean, thank God or else the video would have been it's, ruined. I, I, is, that, is that a good thing, or is that kind of that'll be disturbing? I don't know. She handed me a machete. I'm like, that was weird. Where'd that come from? I'm like, what? <laughs> well, you know, when you have to kill a chicken, you know, you need the machete well, available. Okay, true. so I have a, a from, the shit segment here. Brought on by me saying machete and killing the chicken. Yes. Yes. So we sit down to podcast last night, 
Scott and Kat and I, and I say, hmm, the chickens are going crazy. Hang on just a minute. Let me intercom mom and tell her to go check the chickens. So she goes and checks the chickens. 20 minutes later, she comes upstairs and says, do you have the kitten? Because the kitten has now learned to come in through the kitty door. Okay. This took a while. She could get out, but she couldn't get in. So she figured this out. I say, no, I haven't seen her. So periodically during the podcast, I can hear mom downstairs going, Ginger, here, Ginger, Ginger Peach. I'm like, oh, great. The cat's still missing. So then, you know, at nine o'clock, so we've been podcasting for almost three hours. I said, oh, guys, we got to, we got to finish this up because I can hear the chickens going crazy again. In fact, it sounds like the chicken's like right outside my door. At which point my door opens and there's mom standing there with a chicken in her hands going, I need you. So I throw off my headset and tell them, you guys finish the podcast. I'll be back. Now picture this compared to your own lives. Your mother shows up at your door holding a chicken saying, I need you. Yeah. <laughs> like, what would you do? Okay. So she <laughs> says, the chicken's, you know, screaming. I think something's wrong with her. And then she screams and drops the chicken. I'm like, what? She said something inside of it moved. I'm like, great. She said, you're going to have to cut her head off. Oh, no. And I'm like, she's fine. Look <laughs> at her. She's like, she's like picking at things. And she's fine. Mom's like, but she keeps standing at the gate screaming bloody murder like something's killing her. So we put her in a box and put her down in the room underneath my apartment last night. And she spent the night in the box. And then I turned her loose in the chicken coop this morning and she's fine. So there was, your mother thought there was something inside of her? Well, I think that probably just like a foot moved or something, and she just felt it weird. But mm-hmm. she's like, something just moved. <laughs> she dropped her. I don't know. Aww. Maybe it was a bug or something. Who knows? Now, when you ever meet Sue's mom, because everyone here has met Sue's mom. I don't know if Bob has. I know I Scott has. Sue's mom, when you meet her, she's the, she's the sweetest woman you've ever met in your life. But apparently she's a secret hard ass because if you show any vulnerability, she's cut her head off immediately. <laughs> yeah, but she doesn't cut the heads off. She, she makes me she, and I cut the heads off. She staffs it up. I am the executioner here. Yes. Mm-hmm. Be it yes, cute yes. little fuzzy corridor or feathered beast. So you're saying your mom is the queen of hearts. <laughs> yes. Off with her head. <laughs> oh, boy. Change your name. Mama Duck's foot, Queen of Hearts. Hmm. I'm going to open her a Puffwa account just so I can put that name on there. <laughs> nice. Hurry, <laughs> trolls, go steal the name. Yeah. Oh, are, I have a question. Are we still in this? This may been, The Sims house burned down yeah. in the last episode. Yes, it did. But we are in a the same house again. Uh, uh, I'm adding random beds <laughs> to the, uh, the front lawn so everyone has a place to sleep. Because apparently. On the you front know, lawn. On the we front get to lawn. Because that was guys. part of what made everybody go crazy last time. Yeah, it's not sleeping. Like, right now, Scott and I are sleeping on the couch. Like, <laughs> like literally, we're both sitting yeah, in the Yeah, we're sitting there with our heads on our chest or whatever, sleeping, yeah. apparently. Aww. And Danielle has taken the bed for herself. Technically, <laughs> Ryan could sleep with her because they're married and that's not an awkward relationship, apparently. Hold on. Do we have a rule in the house that, like, the door has to be open unless you're married? Are we, like, one of those houses? I'm I don't know. All I know is that Jen and Ryan are up at, what time is it? Three, 2.33 in the morning, conversationing, I mean, having conversationing, conversationing, <laughs> having some conversations and hugging everyone in a great while. Oh, and yes. now he seems upset that, you know, people are sitting, oh, <laughs> he just woke us both, both Scott and I up to watch television. What a dick. Yeah. It's 2.30 in the morning. That's her own room. 
It's two thirty in the morning, and I'm just up hugging Jen. Yeah, that's a little weird. You're energized. I'll bet. Where's my wife during all of this? It's because he's had too much coffee. Probably have. Apparently so. Okay, so is there any other shoot the shit topics before we get into our main topic? Mm-mm. I'm good. I'm Let's good. To the main topic, really. I feel comfortable. Okie dokie. All right. So, as I mentioned on the Facebook page, we are trying out a new segment, and it is a segment that is completely ripped off from a YouTube show slash podcast, and it's uh, it's called Movie Fights, and it's produced by. Uh, the company Screen Junkies, and basically what they do is they get questions that based off of various movie things, like what's the best horror movie, or what's the best whatever, uh, what's the worst actor in a movie I ever. I just watched one about which um, Star Wars character would win the Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently so, the answer is Yoda. It was Yoda. <laughs> I was like, I don't nice. know if I agree with that. But anyway, so basically I thought it would be kind of fun, since we are all very geeky, nerdy type people, it'd be kind of fun to do something similar to what they do, but kind of do it a little bit more focused on, you know, various fandoms and things that we're all familiar with. And it just seemed like no brainer to do uh, a Harry Potter version uh, of this movie fights game. So what I did is earlier uh, this last, like late last week or something like that, I sent out five questions or five battles because this new segment is called Ultimate Geek Battles. (laughs) And so the battles are all Harry Potter based and they've all had time to pick uh, positions or sides or uh, what they want to take in the battle. And so tonight we are going to throw down uh, geek nerdy uh, Harry Potter style over some various... uh, Harry Potter themed nerdy uh, debates. So, uh, none of us are actually professional debaters, so we make no no. promises that they will be quite as entertaining as the Screen Junkies ones, but you never know. Exactly. Brian's here. in the new house. Okay. Sorry. Yes, we're roommates. Excellent. I just, I I, I misread that as something completely different. That's why I had to double check that. Okay. So. (laughs) Here's how it's going to work. There are going to be five rounds or five battles, and uh, each uh, at the start of each round, each com- each combatant, no, uh, each can, uh, each host is going to go ahead and basically introduce their the the point that they're going to be defending. And then there's going to be about five minutes of debate slash discussion amongst them, and then we'll go ahead and have everyone give final opinions, and then I will vote on which based off of the arguments and not my personal opinion. So, like for example. One of our questions is, which is the best house at Hogwarts? Even though I love my Hufflepuff house, um, that doesn't have anything to do with it. It's based completely off of how well these hosts put together an argument and build up their viewpoint and take down others. Um, So, yeah, I think that pretty much... We have to take down others? Yes. So when you when Sue has to defend that Hufflepuff house is the best, she has to explain why Slytherin, Ravenclaw, and Gryffindor aren't hot stuff. So keep that. I did in not mind. put that in my notes. Oh, I'm sorry. But it is a battle. I mean, it kind of made. Uh, oh well. Anyway, so <laughs> it's fine. unless there's any questions from the uh, the hosts, you guys have any from questions? From the peanut gallery. Yeah. Do the listeners get to vote? Uh, they can, I, I will, may, I may, I would like to hear from the, the, uh, 
the audience uh, to get some audience participation. Um, but I ultimately will decide who wins because that's kind of how it works in movie battles. We might change that for the future. Who knows? But I think for tonight, just to kind of keep things simple, um, just go ahead and let me know what you guys think. And I'll definitely kind of keep that in mind. Now, note, it's not what you think personally. It's the actual arguments given by the, uh, by the hosts. Okay, so without any further ado, we should probably get this started. Um, so, battle number one. Okay, which is, uh, what is the best moment in the Harry Potter novel series? So we'll go ahead, and Ryan, you start off with which one, uh, what you feel is your favorite moment, right. or what you think is the best moment. Yeah, I just want to ask a, a quick question. We were talking earlier today when Bob had mentioned when he was putting this together, he had somewhat of a reverse dyslexia. <laughs> Only for this first question, though. I, I All right. So I'll tell you what, as long as you and Danielle don't end up arguing the same thing, I'll, you can argue, or you're not going to argue Scott and Sue's points. You can argue whatever you want. All right. So I have two. Well, Danielle's looking at me here. I have two other points which I could argue, and I'm going to quickly choose one off the top of my head right here. I'm actually going to reverse. Um, originally, I was going to um, say a very famous line from Deathly Hallows, but I'm going to move to a scene from Order of the Phoenix, which is one of my favorites, and it takes place at the Ministry of Magic uh, during the the battle there um, when Harry's at you know one of his lowest points, and uh, it's the moment where Neville screams, uh, "You still, you still got me!" But I don't believe that was exactly how it came out. It was more of like a yeah, like one yeah. of those deals, yeah. and um, I just think that Neville is one of those characters in the series where he starts off. You think he's this nerdy little kid who can't even defend mm-hmm. himself against Draco, and then by the end of the movie, he wants to stand up and, and fight the others, even though he has absolutely no ability to do so. And now, even though he doesn't have the ability to defeat, an, you know, an army worth of Death Eaters, you know, in, in the Ministry of Magic, he still is willing to stand up there, beaten down, and, and stand in front of Harry. And I just think it's one of those moments where you realize as the reader that the, that you cannot judge a book by its cover, and Neville is kind of the embodiment of that. And I think that's probably the height of Neville in the series. Like, I know, yes, at the end, he, he, he emerges out of nowhere and stands up to Voldemort, and that's wonderful, but sometimes I feel like it's the more quieter moments where you're standing up just for your friends in, in a quiet room versus, you know, this, this huge battle. Um, so that's one of that's one of my favorite moments um, of the entire series is, is when Neville stands up, even though he has no chance of winning. Okay, cool. Uh, I right. guess I should have emphasized short introduction to your point. <laughs> yeah, but for me, that was incredibly short, Bob. I, I was going to say, but from Ryan, that, that, that is pretty pretty short. Okay. I'm on track. So, Danielle, what will you be, uh, what, what, what's your, uh, who do you think is the best moment? Okay, so I'm just telling you my moment and not arguing yet. Not just yet. Okay. We'll get to the arguments here very quickly. My favorite moment of the entire series would be um, Goblet of Fire. Everything bad has happened. Cedric has died. Voldemort's back. Harry's laying in the hospital wing surrounded by the Weasleys and Mrs. Weasley gives him a hug. And it's the first time he feels he's being hugged by a mother. And that to me is my favorite, absolute favorite hands down moment in the entire yeah, series. Just, just to clarify, this is the best moment. Mm-hmm. I still think it's the best too. Okay. Yeah. All right. Scott. <laughs> the, um, the moment in Prisoner of Azkaban 
when we find out what's going on with the map and who the Marauders are. Um, mm-hmm. I call it the, the Scooby-Doo reveal in the Shrieking Shack. <laughs> okay. And Sue, what are you battling for? When Harry finds out that he's a wizard. All right. All right. Okay. A lot of strong so choices. The, I, I think there's four great uh, choices. Uh, so we have... Nothing like starting with an easy question. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we have Ryan in... Uh, I forget what <laughs> We have wonderful points here. Ryan's, which I, I forget at the moment. Ryan, but, we talked about it for five minutes, but hey, I can't remember what it was. <laughs> Um, Neville in the Department of Neville. Mysteries. Neville in the Department of Mysteries. Danielle was uh, uh, Molly hugging uh, Harry in, what was it, Goblet of Fire? Yep. Goblet of Fire. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then Scott with the re- revealing of the identity of the Marauders. And Sue, Harry finds out he's a wizard. All right, guys, tell me, why is your moment the best moment in all of the Harry Potter series? Well, I think looking at the others, I, I enjoy the moment, too, when Molly hugs Harry. I mean, the thing about the scene, though, is Hermione interrupts the whole damn thing because she comes barging into the room. So it's kind of like an aborted hug from his mother. So I feel like that kind of muffles it a little bit. Um, I see where Sue's coming from the moment that um, Harry becomes a wizard. But on the other hand, that's like that's the entire series right there. You know, there's a little bit of back, like backstory to where Harry came from, but the whole point of the show, of the uh, point of the show, the whole point of the series is that Harry becomes a wizard. So that's kind of like, I'm not sure if it can be the, the the favorite, like the best part of the entire thing, if that's what the whole thing is based off of. Um, especially if it happens so early on. And um, what was the cuts? The Marauders. <laughs> the Marauders revealing map. the Marauders who they are. I mean, that was. That that was a that was a strong moment too. Um, I, I I think that's more of like backstory to it versus seeing you know one of the characters that we've been following for seven years reach kind of like his apex. So I think it's kind of a different thing. I think part of it's like exposition, but it's still a good moment. But I'm not sure if it's the best one. Okay, are we just going in order? You, you used to just t- it's a free for all. Go for it. Okay. Like, if you, also, feel free to let, don't like try to interrupt each other, but at the same time, <laughs> oh, let's free to defend yourselves. Um, yeah. like I definitely I don't know I think that the reason that Molly hugging Harry is so it just stands out to me so much. It it's such an emotional moment for Harry. Harry is so he's grown up so neglected and, and from what some people would argue abused. I mean, he's never had a real sense of family. His family treats him horribly. His parents are dead. He, he just, and it's so much of who he is that he doesn't have these things. So it's really hard for him to accept that, you know, he could have a family and just wanting to be hugged by a mother. Like it's just, it was such an emotional moment. And I, there's just something about it, and and that that's him accepting that the Weasleys are like his family, and he doesn't have his mom and dad, but you know what? He's got Molly, and she's got his back, and I that moment for me was just so important, um, and I don't know that that's why I just think it's so important for Harry's character. Mooney has posted a question. Um, she has the quote in there. He had no memory of being hugged like this, as though by a mother, and then she says. 
Isn't that what Ryan used to propose to you? Yeah, it is. Yes. <laughs> but he knew it's because it was, you know. Yes, that was not my favorite moment. I knew that was hers. And, and it worked. Yeah. Sue, you're helping Danielle's argument. It's you're okay. to be fighting to the well, death. No, it's, okay. no, it's, it's Danielle's fault. I know, I know. It more the personal than it does to the, you know. Right. And it's like, so, it's see, it's hard. For, Danielle yeah. has a bias towards that yeah, particular moment because it mm-hmm. also has personal meaning. Yeah. yeah. How much of in the story in the case? I do have, I have a hard time like putting down your other arguments because they're obviously all great moments. Like right. it's hard for me to put them down. I mean, because in because this might be the fanfic side of me, but in fanfic, you know, Harry and Molly have that bond. There's many scenes together when her children die multiple times in a variety of different ways, where Harry consoles her. In the canon itself, how close is Molly to Harriet? Like not. I think yeah. I think pretty close. I mean, mm-hmm. she always wants to watch over him, you know. I think yeah. there was that moment of Oh no, I'm actually thinking of Hermione. Never mind. There was that like that moment that Molly had where she gets like mad at Hermione mm-hmm. and Harry's like, "Um, you're not reading like, you know, you're right. not actually believing what you're reading right. in the newspapers." Yeah. But um Molly actually believes yeah. in the Right. Right. And um, then they do have um they have a rift in book 5 because she's fighting with Sirius and Harry's right. mostly on Sirius's side because right. Sirius would Tell him things. Right. That's right. <laughs> I feel like it applies more than Molly called all of them. Yeah, I feel like it applies really good to, to fanfic Molly, but I, fe- I felt like canon Molly at some points was very difficult. But I still. And, and still to speak to Ryan's point about how, I mean, I really feel that when Harry finds out that he's the wizard, that's why the stories exist. That's where the stories start from. And you said that, you know, you can't see that as what that would be the best moment because that's the beginning. But I think that that's the best moment because it is the beginning. That's where we start. That's where we really start this wild ride that we go on. And yes, you know, all of the other things that you guys have said are all parts of it. And I love Neville, like, you know, just as much as or more than anybody else. So, but it is not his story. Yes, mm. we love to see him yeah. growing mm. up and taking over and, and stepping into that role, which, you know, some of us saw coming and some of us didn't. But without the Harry Potter story and without Harry finding out that, yes, he's a wizard and starting this adventure, none of the rest would have actually happened. And, you know, that was his birthday present <laughs> to himself. What an awesome birthday mm. present. To have this giant of a man break down the door and say, hey, Harry, you're a wizard. And Harry going, what? <laughs> and then finding out all of these things and finding out that his life up until this point has mostly been a lie. And he then goes on to really become himself and to really fulfill the life that his parents kind of, you know, Brought him into the world right. to really mm-hmm. fulfill. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's the chosen one, but he gets to decide how he lets it affect him. And he's basically a good kid, and he makes really good choices. Not always, but he's a kid. <laughs> but you can make an argument that the best it comes as a result of that, just of that, you know, realization that he's a wizard. Like, every, like we got seven books of what that means. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that, like, I'm just differentiating the setup to, you know, the payoff. And also, like, I just have this part of me that I don't want to say that the best 
part of a, of a seven-part series is chapter three of the first book, because that kind of implies, like, the best is behind you. And I feel like the, the best was in front. But I see your point. I, I, yeah. Well, it's and just part that of the your best is what that, you're stepping off into. Hmm. I would say that part of your argument applies to mine as well, because that whole scene in The Shrieking Shack, where we find out that no serious black isn't actually a, a wanted murderer. Uh, the big, the big twist is that this whole thing has been building up to the wrong villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, that Lupin is a werewolf. If you didn't pick that up the first time, which I don't think many people did on the first read, um, yeah. some of us might. But um, this whole thing, and then that they are all the people who created this MacGuffin that we found in the early chapters just so Harry could get out of the school and go visit Hogsmeade turns out to be this whole thing that's tied into his backstory. Mm-hmm. And Ryan has a point that, you know, a lot of it is backstory. It's not part of Harry's story, but it's also, it's the time that Harry um, finally feels like he might have a place. He could get to go and live somewhere else with his godfather who his parents wanted him with away from his nasty aunt and uncle and it's largely the reason why the third book is my favorite book is because we have all these great new characters that we love and they haven't gone and messed up yet yeah Mm -hmm. yeah prisoner of azkaban is actually one of my favorites too and i think it's hard for me to to put down scots because i think ours are, are what ties ours together is sort of like harry finding family Mm-hmm. And, like, because I, I almost put that to, like, Harry finding out that Sirius was his godfather and that he was not the villain everyone thought he was. It's like, oh, my God, I can actually maybe live with my godfather who, like, loves me and knew my parents. Like, that, I really like that moment, too. Well, it's like the road not traveled because that's yeah. not the life he's going to live. Right. Of, it's kind of like right. why we like fan fiction to see the yeah, alternatives. This is where some of our favorite fan fiction spins yeah, off of. A lot of people take that moment. And mm-hmm. Yep. There. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, for the sake of time, mm-hmm. um, at this point, the, uh, audience, I want you to do me a favor, and based off of the arguments so far, um, who do you think has uh, argued that their moment is the best moment in the entire series? Um, but wrapping up for you guys, and just kind of a quick final thoughts, why is your moment the best? Starting with Ryan. It's a character-based moment. It's one of the characters who is not what he appears on the surface. And it's the moment where I think he reaches his apex. It's not the the, the flashiest moment he has that comes at the ending because he helps conclude the story. But it's the moment where I think he makes the ultimate sacrifice for his friends. And I think that's the most important moment. And my dad's going crazy. <laughs> It's it's Harry finding a mother figure. I mean, I think that's just so important for his character. He needs that. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. Scott? It's Harry actually getting adults that he can trust and tell things to who are not going to brush him off or put him down or abuse him. And it, it leads into a lot of great things. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Sue. It's the beginning. <laughs> God, that was like a Joe like Biden that. answer. I like oh, that. Very that concise. Very concise. concise. I like it. Okay, so in an awkward turn of events, I will be gone for one minute. 
So I'm um, uh, audience, well, please. It gives the time for the chat to catch up. No audience at all. I know at least three people are listening. Um, but anyway, so I'll be back in one minute, and that gives me a moment to deliberate as well. So I'll be right back, guys. Talks amongst yourselves. This is awkward. Where's he going? Where's Bob going? Where's Bob going? So Alex, Sim Bob is doing push-ups right now. As usual, Alex has come to join us and have a bath while I'm podcasting. Oh, always. He always knows. But he is so dirty. I'm looking at all the junk coming off of I'm him like, and falling into my bed and thinking, I really don't want him on my bed. Yeah. Herbie is laying on one of Ella's nice soft blankets that I just washed. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to wash it again. Ella is in her glory because when she, when she nurses, she likes to stay there for as long as possible. And after like an hour, Tanya yells like, you have to move. I have stuff to do. But she gets to lay there for the entire podcast. So she's like in her glory right now. She's just snuggling with me. She is. She's asleep. She's asleep at the moment. So we'll see. We figured. She shouldn't make any real loud noise. Oh, she can't hear you, but that's why when Ryan got quite loud earlier, I'm like, she can hear you. She's going to wake up. Um, But yeah, she's good. We figured this might be easier because it was time for her to eat anyway. And last time she was in with Ryan's mom, all she did was scream and cry anyway. I'm like, she might actually be quieter if we just hang on to her. My mother's in that period as a grandmother where she is trying to, like, defend the practices of her generation because I keep saying things are different now and mm-hmm. you can't do it the way you did it before. She's like, no, no. See, I'm holding her the way I want to. Baby screams. Yeah. <laughs> Baby screams louder. Baby screams loudest. So it's, you can't be doing it. Oh, boy. Well, it was like when we came home one time when she was watching Ella and, like, she had somehow managed to prop her on her side in one of her little... Like bassinets, and I'm like, why is she? It's so much more trouble to actually balance the baby on their side because they should just be on their backs. Like it's just that's the rule nowadays. Is backs, you know, if you're gonna be asleep, go on your back. And I'm looking, I'm like, how did you even manage to get her on her side like that? (laughs) I don't understand. But like when Ryan was born, that was the thing. Mm -hmm. Doctors were like, put your baby on your side to sleep. So yeah, Mm -hmm. she does trouble with change. She does. So, I am so we have no votes whatsoever from Aww. you. Yeah, I was going to say the audience, audience left me out to hang out to dry. Thanks, guys. So You'll just have to decide, Bob. So, <laughs> so in, in, in the famous words of Andy Signor, the judge slash host of movie fights, this is tough. Um, <laughs> this is a lot harder than I thought it would be. In you asked a hard question. There are <laughs> so many. Yeah, I know. So it was. I started with the hardest question possible. Like I. I picked one moment easily, but I had trouble coming up with three because I'm like, there's too many. Well, I don't want to like, tell everyone else their ideas suck because everyone had really yeah, I know. great... We're know? too nice. I, yeah. I've also decided that playing this game with a bunch of Hufflepuffs, it's like, <laughs> death battle with Hufflepuffs. <laughs> yeah, horrible idea. No, I'm joking. Uh, you, I just want to say you guys, all four of you uh, had great uh, moments. Um, I think easily uh, any one of these could be the best. Um, but based off of well, I feel the arguments that were made. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give the point to Sue uh, because I feel that she kind of took Ryan out of the running by kind of saying that mo- Ryan's uh, not Ryan. Uh, that Ryan's moment is more about like Neville, and not so much more about Harry. I mean, it, it's it's mm-hmm. still. I mean, I don't know. 
like I said, it's hard. Oh my gosh. But I, I really like the point that Sue made that basically it's like the, the this moment, this critical moment, yes, it's in the beginning of the story, but it kind of sets up everything and basically is kind of the entry point into this this great series. So, uh, Sue, you get the point for Battle of the Moments. Do the moments have to be specifically about how this impacts Harry? Is that part no. of it? I'm just saying. <laughs> You're like, I just like that. No, no. <laughs> I like the argument. I, you know what the funny thing is? Is like I always like I always like watch movie fights, and I always like, why in the hell did he choose that person? And so, oh yeah, so I'm, I'm totally understanding where where the host of, of movie fights is coming from now. But it is hard. Like I said, you guys all had great points, but I think you have to um, pick easier questions. Yes, okay. That, that, that's why I'm glad that our, our next four questions are significantly easier. Okay, so. here we go. All right. So, yeah. all right. So, battle number two. Recast one of the roles in the Harry Potter movies. Now, with this, I asked them to go ahead and pick a role, so one of the characters in the series, and then pick a new actor or actress to replace them. So, basically, in this battle, what our, our, our fighters are going to have to do is basically not only fight off uh, the other choices from the other contestants, but also have to explain why their choice in theory is also better than what was actually cast okay. um, of the original person who was cast for that role. Okay, and to mix things up, we're going to go ahead and start with Danielle this time. Danielle, oh. who are you battling for? Okay, I am battling to recast the character of Barty Crouch Sr. Forever Why? With Hugh Laurie. Hmm. Okay. I All had right. Hugh Laurie for one, too, Danielle. I'm with yeah. you. <laughs> All right, so Scott, who are you battling for? I am battling to recast Remus Lupin with... Um, now, how I can remember how you actually pronounce his name. Um, Rafe. Rafe Fiennes. Oh. Okay, so we're making uh, Voldemort... Uh, <laughs> Lupin. He's also playing Voldemort, too. It's going to be a freaky <laughs> reveal. <laughs> That'd be a point you might it was Voldemort all the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, they would have to recast that. Role I thought well, about Voldemort, but I don't have but... to tell you. Who. <laughs> yeah. uh, Sue, I am recasting Fudge with Patrick Stewart. Okay, and then finally Ryan. I'm recasting Molly Weasley with uh, Leslie Nickel, who Downton Abbey fans will know as Mrs. Patmore. Okay. All right, so Barty Crouch, uh, Daniel uh, is representing Barty Crouch Sr. with Hugh Laurie, Scott, Remus Lupin, and Ray Fiennes, uh, Sue, Cornelius Fudge, Patrick Stewart, and Ryan, Molly Weasley, and uh, uh, Leslie Nickel as Molly Weasley. All right, and go for it. <laughs> um, I guess I'll start. Like I, So Goblet of Fire was one of my favorite books in the series just because I like the twists and turns. I like the new characters that we see. Um, so when I saw the movie, it was probably my least favorite movie. And one of the reasons is just like the casting in it, I thought was horrible. And Barty Crouch Sr. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the actor that they got to play him and the name is escaping me, but he's on other shows in British, you know, British sitcoms, Roger Lloyd Pat, who's sadly passed away. I love the actor. Don't get me wrong, but he's funny. He's a really funny actor. And I just don't think he pulled off Barty Crouch Sr., who you're supposed to believe is this hard-ass guy who persecutes his own son and puts his own son in Azkaban. 
you know, I didn't get that sense from this guy. He's just like did the weird thing with his hands when he was yeah. talking about the Triwizard Tournament. Like it was just it was bad. Like I I really did not believe him as Barty Crow. Can we start refuting this um, yet, or should we let her? You can start arguing. Go. For I it. just have to say this. Okay, here's the thing. We we know Roger Lloyd Pack. He's had a couple different shows in the UK. We, we yeah. like a lot of UK shows. He's a wonderful actor. He's he all in on the Vicar Dibley. Hysterical actor. Now Mike Newell destroyed Goblet of Fire. Yeah. He, well, yeah. like he could have put any. Actor like people still hate Gambin because of the trophy case scene. Gambin didn't want to throw him into a trophy case. Mike Newell made him throw him into a trophy case. If you put Hugh Laurie in that role, he would have ruined Lou Hugh. No, he would have been good. He would have been fantastic. He couldn't have because Mike Newell told him how. Yes, look at Hugh Laurie House. He can be like look at Roger Lloyd Pack in The Vicar of Dibley. He's he's an awesome actor, but he's funny. Yes, but Mike Newell walked up and said, "Whatever you do, we want it to be like paint drying." Go. And that's how we did Mike, you know, like, throw him into the trophy case. Okay. No, I think Hugh Laurie would have been great. I mean, because he could pull yeah. off that stern, like, serious, you know, role. And, like, I would have believed him, you know, as someone who would make so do you believe his I'm own sure son. he could be quite so straight-laced as Barty Crouch. Because he's described as being very, very, uh, he's got the suit, it's very pressed, his mustache is perfect, his, uh, part in his hair is like line straight and every oh, picture I've it. seen of Hugh Laurie he's very rumpled looking. Nah I think he could do it. Have you ever seen Jeeves and Wooster? He's kind of more like clean shaven and all that for that but um I think he could do it. Nah maybe. It's he's a good Laurie. actor. But so is Roger Lloyd Pack so yeah it's hard to say but how it would have come out but I could see him see it working for him. Mike Newell would have destroyed anyone in that role. That's just what it was a terrible movie. But anyway. (laughs) Well, I think that Sir Patrick Stewart would be a really good fudge. Not because because Fudge has this underlying part about him. So Sir Patrick Stewart is a really awesome actor and he's very strong presence. And Fudge was trying to have a strong presence, but he had that I'm not quite sure I'm doing it right, so I have to ask Dumbledore all these questions. And I think that Patrick Stewart would be able to to show that strong presence, like in the face of Lucius and and the in the ministry, because Fudge really wanted that. But I also think that Patrick Stewart has good enough acting chops to also kind of be that pansy and I don't know if I'm doing the right thing, so I have to call Dumbledore because mm. I need somebody to hold my hand. I actually considered, because I, I know Patrick Stewart and, like, one other guy who's, I think, was it, um, who's the guy from um, uh, General Chang from Star Trek Six? He was in um, Sound of Music. Oh, Christopher um, Plummer. Christopher Plummer and Patrick Stewart, I think, are the only... The from, uh, what's it called, uh, Fast Future, right? No. Uh, no, that's, no. That's Christopher Boyd. Who's not British. Who's not British. Christopher so Plummer's in The Sound of Music. Wonderful British actors who never got called to be in, and Hugh Grant and some others never got called to be in Harry Potter. So I was trying to think of who could we put um, Patrick Stewart in, and I thought, well, maybe I'll suggest Fudge. And I'm like, nah, it can't be Fudge, because Patrick Stewart has such gravitas, mm. he can't realistically play someone as weak part. as Fudge. I know. I actually, one of mine that didn't get selected was uh, Patrick Stewart as Voldemort. Because, oh my gosh. Because he's actually the right age. 
he, I think he would just be fantastic in that particular role. I just, I think the the role of Fudge would be beneath Patrick Stewart. I don't know if he could yes. necessarily. Yeah, that's the only thing I was actually thinking too. Is that does he really get enough screen time, and is he really someone you want? I feel like yeah, I feel like Patrick Stewart really is too good. good. <laughs> I feel yeah. Patrick Stewart you know, is too good for it. Who he would have been good as is Rufus Scrimgeour, but I think that mm. um, was Bill, who Bill Knight who played. He was good. He Bill was Knight, he, yeah. he yeah. was actually so good. I wouldn't see right. a reason to replace yeah. it, but I, yeah. you need someone with a little bit. Then like Arthur Weasley, I'm like no. So I'm like we're trying to figure it out, but no. I think the only role but he could do is Voldemort. I see Patrick is having like you said he's got the gravitas, but. I think that he has, like I said, the acting chops to be able to play that role because he can, he, I can see him kind of really going into that and really embracing it and playing something because it's fun to do things that are kind of out of character. And I could see him really having fun with the role. I just think the role of Fudge is is such a weak role that not really badly, but like a weak character. Like I just, I, I, don't know if but Stuart like Robert would Hardy really fit that role. Like, yeah. I didn't. I had to look mm. him up. I didn't know who, what his name was, but he's pretty much exactly what I pictured when I pictured Fudge. He's the mm-hmm. short, dumpy little man who's got the lime green bowler hat, and he's very. He's got the gregariousness when you first meet him. It's like, oh, Harry, it's wonderful. It's great that you're here. I'm the Minister for Magic. Isn't this great? But he's also got that nervousness, and he he's not sure about how everything's going and. I feel like he did a very good job of embodying the character, so I'm not sure it really needs to be recast. Um, it would be interesting to see uh, Patrick Stewart play somebody, but I'm not sure that's the right choice for him. Okay, so I'm hearing a lot of why people aren't working. I want to hear why your like why your particular people for your role. You're right. Are. I I, I kind of want to know why you want to recast Molly because I think. She was pretty perfect. But. Well, there's a couple different reasons. Molly Weasley, I love her character. Julie, like I've never been as big of a movie fan as a book fan, but Julie Waters, I think she does an acceptable job in the role. I don't think Molly Weasley in the in the movies gets a lot of meat to work with. So I think sometimes you need an actress who shows like a lot of subtlety and a lot of layers to the performance. I think Molly Weasley's a good actress. I don't think she's a perfect. Um, Julie Waters is a perfect Molly Weasley. I feel like sometimes she got really dopey lines like, now to Diagon Alley! And, like, I just, I feel like she was too over the top at times. Now, the thing about Leslie Nichols is we, we see her as Mrs. Padmore for six seasons of Downton Abbey, and she's got a lot of the, she's got a lot of qualities of Molly Weasley to her. She seems like someone who, even though she doesn't have children, who, who could easily hold the twins, you know, accountable and really give it right back to them. I, I, I just see her... I've actually all the reason I brought this up is I've always watched that thinking, she, God, she would be a better Molly Weasley. I wish she was Molly Weasley. Then I found out she was the runner up for the role of Molly Weasley until Julie Waters walked in the room. Hmm. And I just, I wish I could have. Now I say runner up. She was strongly considered. Maybe she was number three. But like, I would have loved to have seen her acting chops in that role because I think she could have done a lot more with it. I just feel like Molly Weasley was almost. Too big of an actress. Julie I'm sorry, Waters. Julie Waters was almost too big of an actress for that role, which wasn't written as well in the movies as it was in the book. So I think Leslie Nichols would have done a much better job of it. I, I know that we're not supposed to be helping the other team, but I do have to say that I can totally see her give that mom look to the twins. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She has that mom look down. Even though we don't really see it in uh, her role, yeah, she, as the cook. she has it believably. Yeah, she has it believably where Molly Weasley 
is scaring the child with that that whole like where have you been thing is wonderful we love it but it's very very um, over the top kind of I think that I think it would be much more believable with Leslie Nickel okay so for the sake of time let's go ahead and do final thoughts uh, or final final anything you want I to never say? actually argued mine at all I was gonna, I was going to say I was like I was realizing that it's about twenty till it's twenty after. Uh, I don't know true. how late we want to go past, I, but I just really felt like David Thewlis is a good actor, and he played it fairly well. But he just does not look like Remus to me. Yeah. And uh, Ray Fiennes was one of the ones who was sort of up for the role at the time, and I could really see him pulling that off well. He he looks like Remus to me, and I could see him doing a good job in the role. I can't see Ray Fiennes doing it, but I can actually see Hugh Laurie doing it. I'm not sure what the rules are for that, but I think Hugh Laurie would be a much better Remus. He would be good, too. I don't know. Like, but I think I he'd consider yeah. him, but yeah. I think he could have done a better job. Okay. Uh, Danielle, too? Danielle, um, if you want to just... Danielle doesn't have her headphones in. She's the baby, but if you want to just talk, they can hear you to defend your... It's final point. Final point. <laughs> just talk a lot. They can hear you. Oh, okay. Um... Well, I mean, I'm just thinking of all the roles I've seen Hugh Laurie in, and also just thinking about him, like I've seen him do um, documentaries where he's just himself, and I don't know, I just, I can definitely picture him in that stern role where he's like the disciplinarian and very serious, and I just think he could pull it off way better than Roger Lloyd Pack. Okay. And soon? Well, I just want to say that, can't you just imagine... Uh, Patrick Stewart as Fudge talking to Lucius Malfoy after Lucius has come to give him some sort of bribe and just saying to Lucius, don't worry, Lucius, I'll make it so. <laughs> I like how, I like how Sue has like these drop the mic moments at the end of her, of her last thought. She's like, boom, I'm, my point's amazing. I am on fire. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so before I, I, I share my final ruling, I just want to go, go ahead and say shout-out to the Twitch chat. They were uh, giving suggestions for their own. Uh, like, for example, uh, Cora suggested that um, Martin Freeman for Remus Lupin, uh, Liam mm. Neeson for Voldemort, and mm. then uh, Ray Fiennes for Dumbledore, actually. No, like, as, uh, mm. as Stu mentioned in the Google chat, no one recast Dumbledore. I thought, I thought that could that be interesting. That was Mooney, not oh, me. Can I get my final... Oh, I'm Richard sorry. Was sorry, Mooney. <laughs> Mooney mentioned that. Oh, I just want to get my final thought. It's one sentence. I think that Leslie Nichol would have done for Molly Weasley what um, Maggie Smith did for Minerva McGonagall. I think she would have been that. Okay. Much more. Uh, and then also, uh, April mentioned, uh, suggested, excuse me, uh, Julie Andrews for McGonagall. And then also uh, the little girl who played Annie, which I actually uh, fact-checked that. Her name is, uh, I can't even pronounce it, I'm so sorry, to Quevens... Miss, Yeah, uh, for, uh, to replace Hermione uh, as a, uh, and if there were to be a Harry Potter remake, um, which I thought that was interesting considering uh, with everything with the, uh, the play. First and, child. Yes. So that, that, that is a very cool suggestion. Okay. Um, based off the arguments, and this was tough, I gotta say all the, the, the key lines, um, I'm gonna go ahead and give it to Ryan, uh, mainly because, uh, first off, it's always a, it's always a dead ringer when one of the other combatants actually, like, flat out, like, suggests that they would, that their, their point is a good point. Um, also, uh, I like how Ryan mentioned that she was actually up for the role, mm-hmm. um, none of these other actors were technically 
for those particular roles, if my understanding is correct. Uh, and then also, um, he does a really good point of saying that it was a, she's very Molly-esque and in regards to be, for be appropriate for the movie and not necessarily what we all love and adore in books. So Ryan for Battle 2 gets the point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. All I right, so. What was that, what was that, Scott? I'd agree with that one. I feel like she's mm-hmm. probably the, the, the actor choice that actually looks the most like the character. She has red hair, too, and she likes to cook. I mean, come on. Also... <laughs> Also, I have to say, I really, uh, I really enjoyed, uh, I really like the idea of uh, uh, Sir Patrick Stewart playing uh, Scoondar or uh, whatever his name yeah. was. Yeah, mm-hmm. I actually thought call. of that no, one. Scoondar. Scoondar, yeah. So, okay. All right. So, moving ahead. Now, this is the one I am looking, I've been looking forward to the most, other than our last question. <laughs> but I'm really curious to see how this is going to go out. So, for battle number three, of the four Hogwarts houses, which is the best? Starting with you, uh, so everyone just go ahead and basically say uh, whatever one they're going to be doing, or, what, or whatever one they're going to be doing, and then just a very brief explanation why you feel that it's the best. So Scott, we'll start with you. I will be defending Ravenclaw because I feel like we don't get to see the we don't get to see the upside of Ravenclaw in the books, and we should. Ooh. We lost Canada there for a moment, so Ravenclaw might lose this round. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, so Sue, who are, Sue, who will you be representing? Jesus Christ! I will be representing the Puffs. Step forward. I didn't even put that down on the list as the one I wanted to do because I knew Sue would be here. <laughs> of course she will. Yeah. What the hell is a Hufflepuff? <laughs> what the hell is a Hufflepuff? So, is there a reason why you're defending Hufflepuff? You had to ask. <laughs> but, why, but why Why do you, very briefly in one sentence, why do you feel Hufflepuff is the best? Because Hufflepuff is the house that embraces everybody. Okay. Ryan, who will you be representing? I will be representing, even though you begged me to, I wasn't asked to do it anyway, I will be representing Slytherin because there's nothing bad about being ambitious. It is not evil. It can be a very good thing. Okay. And then, I don't know if she's still with us. I'm here. Yeah, I'm here. Just... <laughs> Um, I get Gryffindor people because they are trailblazers and they are the defenders of all things awesome. So, yeah. Okay, so, Scott Ravenclaw, Sue Hufflepuff, Ryan Slytherin, and Danielle Gryffindor. Let's, let's fight. Mm-hmm. You're asking a Huffle- bunch of Hufflepuffs to fight. <laughs> No, that's my well, yeah. Although actually, I'm I'm I've always been sorted into Gryffindor. So multiple choices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, man! It's the house of Harry Potter. It, 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 it's like the best right. house there is. I don't know. It's looking like a bumper sticker for your car. Harry Potter went here. All I'm picturing yeah, is like the old the obvious choice. No, nah. because we just all we see is Gryffindor, really. So yeah, I, I feel like the other houses have. Merits that we didn't get. Um, Bless you, Ella. That we don't see. You see like, a lot Hermione of Hermione is basically our representative for Ravenclaw, even though we don't see it. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. I feel like like th- there's positive things with all of the houses, but I feel like because the Gryffindors are the brave ones, we equate bravery with all things good and everything. You're e- you're either brave or you like to hug people too much. You never get your head out of a book, or you're an evil bastard. Which would you rather be if you frame it that way? Of course, you'd want to be a Gryffindor, but I think there's 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 far more opportunities elsewhere. 
for the Ravenclaws one. are the ones we want to win. The the geeks inherit the earth. We want the intelligent people running stuff because they know what's going on. <laughs> yes, but the Hufflepuffs are the hard workers, and they're the ones that have their heads down and are just plodding along and getting things done, doing it very Absolutely. quietly the under the radar. Would hire very many Hufflepuffs. <laughs> but the Ravenclaws are the ones we want to organize the whole thing because they have to design the rocket ship before the Hufflepuffs can build it. <laughs> but when you look at the without the Hufflepuffs can build anyway. But when you look at all when you look at all the different things, there's a lot of overlap. But when you look at it, what do you want out of life? You want to be ambitious. You want to do things very well. You want to push yourself. There's nothing that says that you have to be evil or that you have to you know want to exterminate. Well, groups there's of nothing people. that says that. But if you look at the history of Slytherin, look at the people that come out of it. One guy. One guy. One guy. One yeah, guy. Okay. Lucius what? Malfoy. Actually, the entire Malfoy family. The Blacks. Two guys. Other than Sirius. Sirius. But Bellatrix, the Lestrange. Sirius, we're going to find there. Harry Potter himself. Every single death. Every single death eater ever. Harry Potter himself almost went to Slytherin House. You know, because of a bad PR job. The whole thing could have turned around right there. You know, the Slytherins are slimy. We, you, you were, yes. Draco's hand. Yes. Things would have been different. No. Now, you're looking it's at... true that there's nothing wrong with ambition, but you don't want the people whose goal in life is to be cunning to be the yes, ones you're looking at. that's the problem. To. They will use any means necessary, and that's not you always a good thing. Calculate their if you want to save... If you want to stop on. global warming by any means necessary and be ambitious, you're going to be the one that gets it done. All good things happen because ambitious people make sure they do happen. But like you don't, it doesn't solely have to be ambition. The Hufflepuffs are getting things done, too. You may not notice it, and you may not be paying attention, but the Hufflepuffs are the ones that are are working and getting the things done. And, you know, Hufflepuff is, oh, it's the house of hugs. But you know what? We're Badgers people. But you can say that the... We get things done. But you can say, yeah. Don't mess with us, because we are the team... Players, we embrace the entire house. We're not loners, and we all work together yeah. to really get things done. We're the ones that are showing the first years where to go and and having different ways for them to, you know, walking with them to classes and and helping them out. And but and then the same token, you don't mess with the Hufflepuffs even from inside the house because if you if you break that trust of a fellow Hufflepuff. Then you know we're going to shut you down, and it's going to take. If you some kiss time Harry Potter at the wrong time. Exactly, Melinda Leo will burn you alive. <laughs> but I mean, don't you be kissing Harry Potter at the wrong time, because Melinda Leo will kick your ass. And these things, and, and these things don't exist in a vacuum. So it's not like because that's what what I think after seven years of brainwashing by these books does is is the Gryffindors are good, and the and the and the Ravenclaws all they do is study, and the Hufflepuffs all they do is hug people, and and, and never go on dates, and the Slytherins all they do is murder people and that's not the, the way it should work at all when you look at just you everyone can work hard everyone can do good everyone can have bravery it, it's not all or nothing but when you look at what defines you what you're you're you, you push yourself to do more than anything else i think ambition is a good thing because anyone wants to wants to accomplish anything has to be ambitious to get it done so i think you just have to look at what is is at the forefront of the house what you try and push more than anything else but i think you also have to look at when ambition is your strongest quality you know, look at if you look at prominent Slytherins. So let's say someone like Draco, mm-hmm. or maybe like Lucius, like his father. 
Um, like Harry Potter. Well, okay, but you can compare, like, okay, to Harry because yes, they're like there was a thirst to prove himself, mm-hmm. as the the Sorting Hat said. The difference being that what rules Harry is more not just bravery, but also loyalty. You have to remember that loyalty goes along with that. And bravery. And he's willing... So that makes him a Hufflepuff. No, but that's willing... He's willing to put himself... You know, willing to put other people first. You know, he's not just all about Harry. He wants to save everybody possible. And we all know how aggravating that was with Harry with his hero complex. But he puts other people first. Same with... You know, look at Neville. Look at Neville. Like, you look at Neville Longbottom and you don't necessarily think, well, there's the bravest kid I know. No, maybe he's not. But at the end of the day, when when the choice is given to him, he fights for what's right. He fights for what he believes in. He puts himself in harm's way. I mean, and he's not like the strongest kid out there. He's not the best with spells. He's not the smartest. But he's the wolf he's in sheep's damn clothing brave. because he's the one that no one suspects. I think there is a degree of ambition. Oh, I know. If I was in a duel with someone, I'd want a Gryffindor on my back because they're but it they're doesn't gonna, do any good unless they have the, unless they have the skills to do it and the ambition. You don't. You you have to think that that Neville, who's the kid that probably gets beat up everywhere, who's got like the, the the odd teeth, because it looks like he's wearing prosthetics, which he, well, he was. was in the fat suit. <laughs> that, the fat suit that his grandmother put him in before she sent him off to school. I mean, this is a kid who's, who's lost everything, who has no self-worth, and over seven years, he becomes not only the hottest one of them all, if you believe the, believe the memes on Facebook, but he turns himself into someone who you easily could have seen as the chosen one. And I think there is a degree of ambition in there. I think there's ambition with Harry. There's a, there's a desire to Prove yourself, and that's not a bad thing. There's no, nothing wrong with I, I ambition. Yeah. It can't be your defining quality. All the best characters in the books have qualities from all four houses. All the houses. Right. But so it's- uh, if to go to Danielle's point, if you're having a duel with somebody, I'm pretty sure I'd want yeah. Luna on my side. Oh yeah. You never know what she's going. And to just to point out, ambition doesn't is going every which way. Ambition doesn't have to be ambition to to win a elected office or to make money. Ambition can be getting a goal accomplished. Ambition can be like look at how the the the, the trio and the the series they remake the wizarding government and they clean out the horrors and Hermione becomes a trial warrior or a tribal a tribal warrior, warrior. Whatever the hell, tri, tribal trial warrior and um, <laughs> that's actually a great name for a law firm Hermione Granger trial warrior <laughs> tri, trial warriors but um and and, and they say, they change the world because they work really hard at it that that's Slytherin right there I mean that's incredible but it's also Hufflepuff right there it's all it's all a little bit. Because- yeah. Oh God! Are we saying yeah. all the houses all the are houses. all not that different? I love the fix where they dissolve the houses. It's a really awkward uh, debate here. Everyone's like basically proving that there really is no difference between all four houses, which is actually the meaning of the series. And that, I love the fix the end when they break up the great hall and they just do small tables <laughs> because like the whole thing didn't work. It was a bad plan. Let's but. just all sit, at, or the ones where Harry's just sitting at Slytherin yeah. table because. You know, the whole thing's a brunch. It's a brunch, and you just mingle. <laughs> it's your evening. I love it. Okay. All right. So, final thoughts from everybody. Starting with Scott. If I was trapped on a deserted island, I'd want some Ravenclaws there to build me a way off. Okay. Sue. Badgers don't give a shit. <laughs> Drop the mic, Sue. All right, uh, uh, Ryan. If I was going to change the world for the better, like the kids do, I want some Slytherins to help me do it. <laughs> yeah. And then finally, Danielle. Um, I just say, you know, bravery is not just about running into a battle head on. It's also the quiet moments. It's the quiet acts that, you know, 
that really matter. You know, it's standing up to your friends when they're wrong, and we all know how hard that is. So I think bravery is a great quality to have. Okay. All right. So I'm just going to say for the record that I agree with the chat. Holy crap, no one's going to win this argument because, you know, when it comes down to it, everyone has potential traits from all the houses, as Michael says. Um, and, but I have to say, for the first time in, in this show, someone actually said that they gave a vote to somebody, and I kind of have to agree with them, and that was Cora. We all know how hardcore of a Slytherin, uh, a Slytherin fan uh, Cora is, but Cora says that Scott is making the best argument. And you know what? Uh, in this very difficult battle to make a decision on, I'm going to go ahead and say Scott is going to take the point. Um, Scott did a really good job of saying, you know, basically the world runs on smart people. And, yeah. So, Scott, you get the point. Yay! Yay! Okay, all right. Sorry. I beat the dragon! I, I'd probably say that was harder than the other two battles combined. Because it was just like, first off, it was the one time you guys all like were really going at it. And I was like, oh man, this is. <laughs> so, what is this to debate? I know. I didn't think judging would be so hard. It's so much easier playing like, oh, I clearly picked this person. What is the judge thinking? Okay. All right. So, um, oh boy. So, do we, do we want to go late or are we, are we looking to wrap up? We could always hold our other two questions for another time if you want. We could if we want, but I don't know what everyone's got going on. We could we could just make it a speed round kind of thing. Yeah, I think we have a couple extra minutes because the baby's nursing again, so... Okay. Do we want right, well, to do the last one as, you know, as much as I'd like to do the, the jobs one? Um... I feel like the jobs one, we're not going to be particularly nasty. It's just going to be like, no. oh... So let, how, how, here's what we'll do... Here's what we'll do for number four, okay? I will go, we'll go ahead and everyone will say their thing, then each of you get like 30 seconds, and then I'll make a call. Okay, yeah. Does that sound good? Yeah, okay. that's All right. fine. I'll timer out, and then we'll get this started. So while I'm doing that, uh, we'll start with Sue. Sue, uh, what do you, okay, I'm sorry, the question is for battle number four, what would be the best profession slash job to hold in the wizarding world? So Sue, what do you feel that that job is? Herbology professor, of course. Hmm. All right. Ryan? Uh, working for the Accidental Magical Reversal Squad because it's the only job that there isn't a counterpart in our world. It's something completely unique to the Wizarding World. Okay, Danielle? As is being a professional Quidditch player, there's no Quidditch in our muggle world. Football, football player. You're on a sports <laughs> Yeah, they, they, they don't Scott, fly. Scott, <laughs> what would you pick? I said it'd be fun to be a spell re- researcher because you're making up all the wonderful things that everybody else gets to do as well. Okay, so you each are going to get 30 seconds on this, starting with Sue Go. So the herbology professor is, first of all, they get to play in dirt, which has been proven to make you a happier person. There's actually, you know, things in dirt that really boost your body and things like that. And you get to help so many other people because you get to help the kitchens, you get to help the potions master, you get to help the hospital wing. And who wouldn't love to be able to grow things like snapdragons that really breathe fire? Okay. (laughs) Thank you, Sue. All right. Ryan, 30 seconds on why magical, accidental magical reversal squad. 
Okay, when you look at the two different worlds, you know, you have botanists in both worlds, you have researchers in both worlds, you have professional sports players in, in both worlds, but you don't really have a, a counterpart where your job is basically to reverse magic, prevent muggles from discovering that there is magic, um, you know, keep the statue of secrecy intact, and it's just it's one of those positions where you're doing something that's kind of keeping the balance between the two worlds separate, but you're also just doing something completely original. You're, 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 you're... I'm... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Danielle, why do you feel that being a professional Quidditch player would be the best job to hold in the Wizarding World? All right, well, I'm just basing it off of how I think it would be incredibly exhilarating and fun. I mean, your job is flying, like, around on a broomstick, playing this really entertaining, really fun game. Um, so I guess just speaking as a muggle... I just think the idea of this being your job and getting paid to fly around and have an awesome time um, would just be really fun. Um, and I'm not even a sports player, but I just think it would be really fun. And, you know, you'd be admired, you'd um, be part of a team, and you'd be playing, like, pretty much the only sport in the Wizarding World. So I just think it would be um, really fun. And Yeah. Time. <laughs> wow. Why are they concise? Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Why spell researcher? Because you get to play with magic. You could figure out how it works and make it do all sorts of weird and neat things. All the stuff you see in the books. Somebody's got to invent that tent that's bigger on the inside. <laughs> Somebody has to invent the charms that make the brooms fly. Uh, I thought about saying teacher because who wouldn't want to be at Hogwarts, but it it occurs to me that Hogwarts is the center of all the problems in the book. You do not want to be at Hogwarts when the giants are attacking or the giants are in the grounds or whatever. And you don't necessarily want to be on the Quidditch team when somebody's batting bludgers at you and you have to worry about falling off and breaking your arm and having Lockhart remove the bones. And if you're a spell researcher, you can be as quiet or as exciting as you want to be. He's fr- he's completely faking it. You hear? I'm continuing my point though. Okay, sorry, Scott. Wow, that was rather concise. Okay, I'm just gonna say it right off the bat, uh, Sue, I'm taking you out because uh, basically, <laughs> I, lo- I, lo- I love how Sue's argument is. It's good to play in the dirt. Um, hey, it's a proven fact. <laughs> well, I just find it funny that you pick Hogwarts professor. But then proceed to like never talk about teaching students. Well, I uh, thought I was going to get a little blurb at the end, which is where I have. Oh, I'm sorry. That's my bad. Um, That's okay. But it's all right. But anyway, uh, Ryan brings up an interesting point that you can't necessarily do the other professions, but I think there's a difference. Between, probably a difference between being a uh, uh, being a pro football a footballer versus being a pro Quidditch player. I don't know. I, Quidditch is magical, so get it is. That it is. You know, I really like Scott's point of view of playing with magic and stuff. Uh, I'm going to go with Scott. Sorry, guys. Scott, you get the point. <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. Moving on to what I'm going to be honest with you. This was the first question I came up with. Um and for the most part, I was really sad when you all picked a particular coupling. Like, all of you, well, not, at least not all of you picked it first. But you all picked one, and I won't say which one, because I don't want to, like, change any thought opinions. But this question is, the, uh, the, for our final battle, is what is the best non-canonical romantic pairing? 
So we are back at the top, so we'll start with Ryan. Who do you think is the best non-canon pairing? I went with Harry and Hermione, because <gasps> unlike some of the secondary characters who are just kind of window dressing in the background, that would be at the forefront of the story. It would be it, it would it would definitely deviate it from where the, from where the story ended up going with Ginny. And there's m- so much in common between these two. They're they're both from the Muggle world. They're both uh, only children. Uh, you know, they, they both have this backstory. Where growing up, you know, they didn't have any friends, presumably, and they just have so much in common that it's it's something that would be at the forefront. It would shake up the whole series, and I think it probably has the most. Um, Media material. I think he was just looking for your choice. Well, I just went with the whole thing, so I'm I'm done. <laughs> okay, Danielle, who are you? Uh, who are you shipping for this question? I'm going with some um, geriatric love between McGonagall and Dumbledore. <laughs> oh God! Melinda Leo at the fire. Oh my God! They were doing what? it. <laughs> okay. All right, Scott. Who are you I representing? I went with um, Luna and Neville because I can see them fitting together really well. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then finally, Sue. Rima serious. <laughs> Gotta okay. get the slash vote in there somewhere. Gotta All right. So, for the sake of time, I'm keeping the ba- this particular debate down to four or five minutes. Okay. So, battle. I feel like Luna and Neville just really would be good for each other because Luna, as I said earlier, her brain is all over the place and she comes up with wonderful things and she's got great ambitions for traveling the world and so on. And Neville has is a really steady character. He's built into this strong uh, young man and he can do all sorts of things with plants and he could go on Luna's journeys with her and learn about foreign plants while she's learning about foreign animals. And they would just have a great time, and I think they would balance each other out well. Well, I don't think it's the best. I can see why you're saying that. I don't think it's the best, because I think it's the most expected. I think everyone saw these two characters, and they were kind of lining up in their heads who was already together and said these two would kind of fit together well. They would kind of opposites attract a little bit. But I think it's almost like it's 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 just we were surprised probably when it didn't go that way because it was just it, it worked so well on paper that I, I think it it didn't really it wouldn't have added much to it because everyone would have seen it coming. Uh, well, just because it's non-canon doesn't mean it uh, couldn't have been canon. Yeah. That's true. Well, Remus Sirius, you know they I, they have this core group: Remus Sirius, James, oh. Peter. And Remus Sirius actually ha- are the outcasts, and they have the they have a special bond there that the other two don't really have. And I see James as being more the brother figure, and that the Remus and Sirius, because of this bond that they have, will kind of grow closer together, and their love would come naturally as they are as they grow closer. And you can kind of see part of it when you know. Even though Sirius thinks Remus is the traitor and Remus kind of thinks Sirius is the traitor, once they figure it out, the forgiveness is pretty much right away. And so that bond never really went away. I don't, I don't, I, I don't see them at... It has to be romantic. 
that? Well, I don't see... I don't really see Sirius as an outcast of the group, though. I kind of see Sirius and James as, like, hand-in-hand. I see Peter as the outcast. Outcast of his family. Oh, okay. James is an outcast because... Because he's a werewolf. Okay. Okay. I didn't know if you meant, like, of the Marauders. I'm like, but I don't think he was an outcast. Like, I'd make an argument it's probably stronger not being romantic, but but I can see why it could be romantic and, and still be strong. But what I would think is that, you know, in terms of the best... In the, in the storyline, I think it would be still be like a background relationship. I don't think it would be something that would be in the forefront as much. Um, so, well, so I, I think, yeah, yeah, I don't necessarily see it in the forefront, but I see it as something that would have come, that could have come naturally, and would that they work well together. Yeah, I think both the ones you've said would like no one would be surprised if it happened well i think that the christian right would be surprised but i don't think it's surprising from a storytelling standpoint i just don't know if it's it's the best because i think it kind of it, just, it doesn't really shake things up and it's just kind of in the background it's there and it's nice and people like it but i don't know if they qualify as the best but i think they're both fine i think you know obviously like now given what jk rowling has said after the fact i realized my pairing would not happen in canon but since it's <laughs> Non, since it's non-canon. I didn't it's think about that. The man is gay. Since it's non-canon. Um, I don't know. I just think it would be really, really funny. And, you know, they're, they're so different that this is what makes me think it would just be a really funny, um, a really funny pairing because I could just see them at the end of a day, at the end of a day at Hogwarts, you know. And you have Albus who's so quirky and just, you know, like everything about him is just quirky down to like, you know, all like his favorite, um, like, can you just picture him like wearing really funky socks, like in front of the fireplace or something. And then you've got McGonagall with like her neatly pressed plaid and, you know, she's all about the rules and being so uptight and he's just so laid back and quirky that I just, I feel like it would just be hilarious for the two of them. To be together at the end of a day, and they would be each other's stress relief. Well, despite despite the fact that you know he's gay, we'll I know for a moment. I know. Um, <laughs> are there rules against the number one dating the number two? Is that like a I thing? Know, but hey, that'd be very but, far. But the rookie relationship. Janeway no, could never bang Chakotay. Really that's all I'm that. But you know Especially what? Especially if there was a fight or something, you know, you just see the two of them having a spat, and then you know. Dumbledore's sort of like sparks are coming out of his ears. I can see that. And, and McGonagall's just kind of wandering around hissing, and people are like, oh, I'm just going to say this. Yeah, I'm just going to say this. But yeah, I think it would be kind of against the rules for number one and number two if, to. Well, you know, Forbidden have Love. A forbidden like Love, okay? It's. Even more, even more hot. But um, yeah, all I'm saying is, <laughs> what are you trying to say? <laughs> all I'm saying is, if Albus was an Animagus, all the fun they could have. Okay. Oh. Little that's cat, not little right. cat and mouse, maybe or oh, something. My Come gosh. on. That's on your mind. I just have to say here, I don't think you can qualify the best where it has to be so forbidden, like in Melinda's story. You don't even yeah. find out until the man is dead and she's benches in his eulogy. There's the other problem is that it's the same problems we have with, like, Hermione Snape stories or something. He's 30 years older than her and he was her teacher for however long she was at yeah. Hogwarts. Well, granted, she's so, 75. Yeah, but after a certain age, you're just, you're just old enough to be with each other. just the grown-ups, but yeah. there is a gap there. And the especially if it was when they were younger, you know, he's her transfiguration teacher. He's her mentor. See, he's it's not icky. necessarily, 
Yeah. Um, or romantic object. No. May and December romance. Come on. <sighs> and I don't know. What's gotten into you this season? Terry and Hermione. Making my argument. The, the two of them, you know, they're both really strong. They're, they're kind of the leaders of the two groups. Which really, you know, Hermione is the one that keeps things together. Harry... Harry's the catalyst, but Hermione's the one that keeps them all together, because without her, none of this would have worked out. So, that... There's a rock talk about that. <laughs> even Joe was on my side on this one. Even Joe's like, I could see that, that would... Well, you know, Joe said that in hindsight that that might have been a, a good thing, and I, and I could see that... You know, if it had been written that, that way read, from the beginning, it could have worked, worked, but the way that we know but, them now... It doesn't really. Isn't that what the point of this is? Isn't and this alternate or best? Is his soulmate? It would not work with anyone else because Ginny is his soulmate. Oh, she's barely in the movies. We're not, we're not talking about <laughs> the movies, though. We're talking about. <laughs> no, I understand that. I'm gonna say something, but I can't. I'm the judge. Okay. No, I understand that. But isn't the plot here the best non-canon? It's non-canon. Best, That's what we're looking for. Best non-canonical romantic right. So I don't think you can argue against it by saying it's not in the canon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is true, but <laughs> I mean, I think they have the best foundation and them the most front and center. And Joe's on my side, so <laughs> that's my final argument. Okay, so for the sake of time, uh, let's go ahead and Sorry. do final final thoughts. Uh, starting with Ryan. Joe says so. <laughs> uh, Danielle. Um, if that office door is rocking, do not come and knocking. <laughs> <laughs> Just Neville and Luna would have a great time together. Hey, it's puppy love. At the risk of sounding really inappropriate, this is way too hard. <laughs> That's what she said, Mom. I know. You know, I want to be honest with you. I really want to give the point to Danielle, <laughs> but they have so—they brought some really good. They poked some really good holes in your argument, um, in regards to the fact that you know they are there's that thirty-year difference, which I don't know would be really that big of a difference for wizards, but whatever. Um, but the, the one and two thing. No, and, but I think it's I think, not about the age of the wand, Bob. It's how you use it. What the hell got into you today? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I'm speechless. I think the F name of this episode needs to be something about geriatric love and, and <laughs> the estrogen's coming back over here. Yeah. Um, I know who I feel gave the best argument and really kind of brought home with the last point, but I'm afraid that you're all going to think that I'm playing favorites. But no, I think Ryan gets the point for Harry and Hermione. Based off of the fact that he made the comment about their previous rela- about their established relationship, and let's be honest, when the author admits that they would be a good pairing, that's kind of hard to deny. So it's true, but if they were a canon ship, any of these could have an established relationship because they would have been written. That true, way. They're all really great picks. Uh, <laughs> okay, just just for the record, 
for the audience, they all pick Luna and Hermione. Luna and Hermione. Luna and Hermione. That would be fun, too. They would drive each other. Oh, my God. That would be wonderful. I think we all pick Luna, Ginny, Harry. If you'd given me three, I would have gone with that one. Oh, no. Luna, Hermione. Can you imagine this? One believes in faith. One believes in science. Oh, my God. It's like a miniseries. I would love that. It's the X-Files. It kind of is. So, for the sake of uh, of uh, of, the, of the the segment, I give the f- point ba- the point for battle number five to Ryan. So, so we have a tie. We have Ryan a tie. And Scott. Yay! Now, now there is the way they finish. I can probably do this in about ten minutes. All right. This is like this is the super speed round. Okay. Where basically you do, there's gonna be three questions and you argue it very quickly. I have this actually planned out. You guys just didn't get to see it because you're supposed to argue it right off the like, off the cuff. Do you guys want to do it real quick? Yeah, let's do it. going to call it a night. Oh, let's do it. Okay. All right. So this is for just Ryan and Scott and then uh, Danielle and Sue. I need your help. I'll need your help in helping decide who brings the best argument. Okay. Now, the theme for this, this Harry Potter finale is fandom. Okay? All right. So here's how this works. You're, <sighs> I'm basically going to say the question. And then you can you shout out your answer. If whoever you guys say this exact same thing, then whoever says it first gets to, to argue it. And then whoever argues first, you get thirty set. You get you get probably thirty seconds, and then the other person gets thirty seconds, and then you get each get five second rebuttals. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. We'll do, All right. So we'll get this started for the sake of moving this right along. Okay. So Harry Potter fandom. What is the best? Harry Potter fan fiction. Ooh. <sighs> Tough question. I know. After I the end. That was actually going to be one of the main questions, but I decided yeah. to go with the theme. So did you hear Ryan? After, he the, after the end. After the, okay, so Ryan's going to argue after the end. Scott, what will you be arguing for? Uh, I don't know how I'm supposed to pick. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's really hard. The next one's going to be even harder. There are so many good ones. That's why we're still doing Butterfrick Weekly. <laughs> oh, do the one you came in on, Scott. Yeah, sure. I'll argue for the Dangerverse. Why not? Okay. All right. So, uh, Ryan, 30 seconds. Go. It's the, it's the story that started the podcast. It was one of the first stories that was written, and it was so perfect. It's still loved even until today. They predicted from year four what would happen in year eight, and they got everything virtually right from from Harry in, in all caps to the love affair with Ginny to even Remus and Sirius. That's something for Sue in there, too. And it gets the characters perfectly right, and it's that one year where everything changes, and it's the first really well done and the last really well done Year eight recovery story. It's one of the most perfect fixes out there. Time. Scott, go. It's a completely different kind of story, but Living with Danger is the first one that I read where we get to fix Harry's life when he's younger. He actually gets to have a family, take people uh, who care about him, raise him that way, and he comes to Hogwarts with so much more preparation and a big group of friends already that really carries him through to the end. And as far as after the end goes, I feel like it's a good story, and I love your coverage Time. of it, but I still haven't Oops, read guys. past the first three guys. chapters, so, guys. you know. <laughs> I don't think Scott can hear you, Bob. I don't think he can either. Okay. A likely story. Okay, so, and then, uh, Brian, 10 seconds, rebuttal, go. It, it's it's a canon story that still just resonates is perfectly it's better than the canon in some points it just does the job so well and so concisely 
Uh, I would say Scott. the same thing about Living with Danger. It is better than the canon. We love these characters, and we ma- it makes the characters better because they have better relationships. Danger Granger. Yeah, three seconds. Who, oh, me? Uh, okay. Oh, I'm... All right. So, all right, that was tough. Um, Sue, Danielle, what do you think? Um, I, well, I'm biased. I would go with that. I would go with after the end. <laughs> Okay. Well, then I'll go with Dangerverse and make Bobby the tiebreaker. Are you kidding me? Okay. Um, thanks. By the way, just as an update for The Sims, uh, we just set the house on fire again. What the hell? Oh, we're a bunch oh, wait, of arsonists. No. Ryan, in an act of bravery, has put out the fire. Yay. That was a Slytherin. What the hell? People did mention earlier, her house has sprinklers in it. Yeah. So hopefully we'll be better off <laughs> we when we're call, in that one. If we save the property, we should call I, a sprinkler. You, know, you guys made very similar arguments for both your fix. Um, I will state now that I haven't read either of them. Um, so I'm really coming at this from completely just your argument standpoint. Um, but I think for the sake of the arguments that you brought up, I think Ryan had a better, had a better argument. Oh, no. It just sounded better. So, Ryan, you get the point. Okay. Okay, so Ryan leads three to two. So, all right. Ryan needs to win this point to win. Uh, If Scott gets this point, next point, then we'll go to a third question. All right. Question speed round number two. And we just throw out our first answer right away, right? Yes. Okay. First answer right away. What was or currently is the best Harry Potter podcast? Potterfic Weekly. Ah, you both said it. You both said it. I don't know who said it first. I uh, pretty much started it at the same time. Or do we have to give the better answer? Why it's the best book? No, no. Um, it's based off of usually whoever says it first. Um, how about besides podcast? Uh, yeah, maybe it should be besides. besides okay, how about Weekly? Question more interesting since you you both were members of Point of View Weekly. What is the best Harry? What is or was the best Harry Potter podcast that is not Potterfic Weekly? Spellcast. I'll do Pottercast. I was tempted to say Spellcast too, just to. And you have to argue why Spellcast and Pottercast were the best. Okay, go, uh, Scott, go ahead and go. Spellcast was uh, really well constructed and would get you through an episode in. An, the expected form and you'd get to hit all the major points of what was going on in the fandom and you'd get to hear some fic and it just sort of brought you through a lot of things and I'm also pandering to the judge. Danielle's doing the kiss-ass face over here. It's really fun. Okay, and... Time. Scott, why is Pottercast the best? Brian, why is Pottercast the best? (laughs) I'm the other one over here. Um, Despite what any, you know, issues we may have with anyone who's ever worked over there before, uh, it was one of those podcasts that, you know, like it or hate it, it it just, it was a cultural phenomenon in the fandom at the time, and it kind of brought everyone together and gave everyone just, you know, like a, a platform you know, to, to, to listen to what was going on and to have like one thing that they could all kind of relate to. And it served its purpose very well and it entertained and it was just the, the right thing at the right time. And, um, Stop. yeah. Yeah. Scott and second <laughs> rebuttal. I feel like Spellcast, um, 
introduced it more to fan fiction, which is part of the fandom that I enjoy. It was connected with Fiction Alley, which was the first place I actually read fan fiction, and I also got to go on it once, so it has a special place in my heart for that. So, <laughs> okay, time and Scott and Scott. Jesus Scott. Christ, I have to start worrying. This, like, this is revenge for you constantly calling me Scott, so, okay? <laughs> Which is not a bad thing to be called Scott, because Scott has such an amazing, sexy voice, just for the record. But uh, Brian, Does that mean I get everybody's points? Yes, you get all the points. Uh, ten second rebuttal, go Ryan. I just, I think that Spellcast was a great podcast and did a great thing. I just think the Powercast was was just a, was a movement within the fandom, and you just can't deny that, you know, wherever you stand. And time. Okay, I think I have a pretty solid idea of who should win this, uh, but I am curious, Danielle, see what do you think? Um, I mean, I think they both argued pretty well. Um, I don't know. I, yeah, I are all hard questions. I know. I, I think that um, Ryan really dropped the ball when he didn't say that Joe actually, you know, invented Pottercast. She just called it by a different name in the books. But, uh... Oh, I never even thought of that. So well, I wasn't going to post it. Just doing a little bit of fact-checking. Potter Watch actually came after Pottercast. So it'd be kind of difficult for Joe to invent something that oh, is. Um, or she gave, she gave homage to... She gave homage to Pottercast. She did, she did bring it out. Okay. Okay. Mm. All right. So, now, well, I have to say, thank you, Scott, for the lovely, nice things you said about Spellcast. Um, <laughs> and I, and I, I love that you pandered to me. And in fact, I actually let your rebuttal go on in an additional 10 seconds. Then <laughs> you couldn't hear you saying stop. <laughs> because I, enjoy, I enjoyed you saying such nice things. I think that Ryan brings up a really good point in saying that Pottercast really was, you know, the biggest, you know, probably... Even probably even mm-hmm. I mean, I'd probably make the argument it's better than bigger than Mugglecast, even though Pottercast I think came second. But I don't know. I have to fact check myself mm-hmm. on that. But Pottercast I'm gonna was have the to one give... that Joe actually went on. So there's that. Yeah, she also <laughs> went on it. But Ryan, Ryan, if you made that point, that'd have been a slam dunk. Uh, but I think you still got it regardless. So the final point and the game goes to Ryan. Yeah. Yay! So. All right, so audience, I'm curious to know what you think of this. I don't know what my co-hosts felt how they feel about it, but if you want to maybe like maybe this is something that we can do, like bring on guests and stuff. Like, I think it'd be kind of fun to do like maybe like a, a Doctor Who one, a Star Trek one. Well, you can uh, you can also alternate who the um, who the host, the host is, so you can contribute. Yeah, the, the, the judges mm. as well. so that you get to That's answer true. questions. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yes, because there's some things I really wanted to argue. Like, I would have really, I really there's some things I wanted to say for Harry and Hermione. Even uh, what would you have picked if you had the choice to pick the for non canon Yeah, would you have picked Harry Hermione? I probably would have gone Harry Hermione, or I probably would have gone Draco Hermione. Okay. Do you know who I thought of while everybody was arguing that I thought would have been really fun? Mm-hmm. Snape Humphrey. I don't think I've ever seen. Yeah, I've actually I've read Snape seen. Humphrey before. Just, you know, just as a side thing. Do you think the woman who played Madame Pomfrey, who got, like, what, like, 12 lines in all seven, eight movies, is like, oh, my God, what did I, they read into my performance? (laughs) One of the things that came up when I was giving these answers to Bob and uh, trying to figure out what I should debate was there are some 
pairings that I've never even seen that I think would be neat. Like it would be fun to see Hermione paired with like Dean or somebody. Whenever mm-hmm. she's not paired with Ron or Harry, she seems to be paired outside the year or outside Hogwarts. Oh, yeah. Um, or she's paired with Draco. Yeah. But um, that's always weird. <laughs> <laughs> and we're just coming off a, a Neville Ginny fic. So is that why everyone... Oh, don't pick Neville Ginny. That was canon in book four. But mm-hmm. only very briefly. <laughs> oh, what I wanted to make an argument, it was a point I wanted to make that uh, that I probably would have given you the final point on that uh, for Scott was that you actually can make the argument that uh, Neville Luna is actually to a certain degree movie canon. Mm-hmm. That's, That's true. Good. It is movie canon. Yeah. At least they were, they were in a relationship, arguably. Um, mm-hmm. Or they, or you could clearly make the argument that Neville had a thing for her, so... I don't know. But, oh, well. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if you guys had fun, but I had fun. It was fun. So. And I'm not a good arguer, and I had fun with it. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah I was going to say, I, I still got two points. Box. What was I thinking? But I digress. <laughs> but you, guys, you guys did a great job. Thank you for uh, playing along. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of fun. Okay, so we are about an hour and five minutes. So, I mean, about 30 minutes, 35 minutes. <laughs> I can't <switch> <laughs> No. 35 minutes over, so I imagine we probably want to bring this episode to a close. Yep. Okay. All right. From all of us here at the Potterfic Weekly Studios in Fargo, North Dakota, we hope you enjoyed listening to these, this live stream of Point of View Weekly uh, over at twitch.com. I'm sorry, twitch.tv backslash proof of place. We are here every time we record. We hope you guys would come along and enjoy uh, the company of the chat room. We do our best to try to interact with them. Uh, and thank you to the chat who actually did show up. Uh, it was fun getting to interact with you during this uh, ultimate geek battle segment. Um, we will let you guys know on the Poofwa Facebook page and probably in other places when we'll be recording next. And more than likely we'll be in about two weeks because that seems to be kind of what works for us right now. But regardless of what happens, we'll let you know what's coming. Uh, until then. And I just oh. want to say, go Ella. She was so good. She was. Great. She, she cried, cried like one moment. Yeah, she I cried. think she got scared. It was when Ryan got kind of loud. Oh, sorry, baby. She, she did better than my dog. Yeah. Uh, my dog. She actually did excellent. Oh. So, very, very much kudos to Ella. That was awesome. Okay. So, until next time, I'm Bob. I'm Ryan. I'm Danielle. I'm Scott. And I'm Sue. And she's Ella. <laughs> she's Ella. And we'll catch you guys next time on Point of View Weekly Live. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. Good night.